Wake up, wake up. It is great to have you here. Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger. It's nothing short of the fastest growing show out of the Bay Area, certainly on YouTube. Larry, it is an important week for these teams getting ready for the Super Bowl. No doubt. No doubt. Yesterday was a huge day in Santa Clara. I'll be back down there today. A little bit more. I uh, saw practice yesterday. Talked to a bunch of people. Today we talked to Purdy, Steve Wilkes, Chris Forster, uh, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk. And uh, making all the pl- the finalizing all the plans for the, our trip to Vegas, man, it's going to be off the chain. Kev's fired up. I just found out this is Kevin's first ever trip to Las Vegas. First ever trip for the kid to Vegas. It's going to be an oh. eye opener. Oh my god! I, oh, I, it's just so exciting. Like I wish I could go back to that innocent time in my life for that first trip to Las Vegas and how overwhelming it all is. Um, oh, that's fantastic! I had no idea that we were traveling with a pristine virgin of Las Vegas. This is unbelievable. This is going to be such a good time. I'm looking forward to it, Larry. Whatever we make it is what his impression of Vegas will be. So all the different things that we have planned to do at the different clubs, the different uh, hotels, the different parties, the different uh, media row, the whole deal. It's all the young, young pup will be drinking it in for the very first time. Well, let me just ask you then, how do you want to play this? You want to be nice to him or you want to scare the hell out of him? What do you want to do? (laughs) A little bit of both, a little bit of both. Oh, man, I am looking forward to it. I really am. This is going to be such a fun trip. And, you know, any success. We're not going to the bunny ranch. No, 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 no. There'll be no bunny ranch, Greg. No no bunny ranching. Um, No bunny ranching for anyone. Children, adults, no no bunny ranching. Kyle Um, McKiernan says, Larry, night one is puking in a paper bag. Uh, Yeah, the the ratty line. Yeah, I got drunk and threw up in a bag. It is uh it, it it is a pro vomit town. Like first time you go to Vegas, you usually toss your cookies just once. But it is like a little bit of a work trip for Kev. So maybe he'll be on his best behavior and then maybe we'll get him off his best behavior. I'm just I'm looking he's forward. He's going to be reining us in if I, if I know if I know the way this is going to go. He he's going to be like, yeah. "Guys, uh he's going to basically be our plus one and carting us around." Dad Stop it. Either that or he's going to have like a uh, a full plastic yard of a hurricane like dangling off his neck like some tourist from Arkansas. We, we, we can do better than that. We'll get him some proper cocktails, and this is going to be a, a wonderful trip. Uh, you and I are going to be on the strip, all over the strip. We're going to be bringing our audiences right to the strip with us through all the video and content that we're going to be sending back. Uh, we have seen both these teams are going to be nowhere near the Strip. They're staying at Lake Las Vegas, one at the Hilton, one at the Marriott or Radisson, whatever. Very beautiful resorts out in Lake Las Vegas. That's about 25 miles away from the Strip. And I would imagine both Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan have a very simple rule for everyone involved. Don't go to the Strip. Just don't do it. We'll go to the Strip when it's time to take the bus to Allegiant Stadium. Otherwise, Let's keep it subtle. Let's keep it not Las Vegas until coin time and coin coin toss time. Yeah, I mean it's a business trip. It's a business trip, and uh, the Niners need to maintain ultimate focus because they've never beaten Patrick Mahomes. Um, and I can't remember the last time if they ever beat uh, Andy Reid. Um, and even though they're favored, that's that's a technicality I think in everybody's mind. 
Uh, they they better they better get it buttoned up on defense and buttoned up quick. And Matt Barrows put out a tweet this morning or late last night um, that when Fred Warner Damon got the group together and we talked to Warner yesterday and Warner said some very interesting things. One of the things he said was, um, you know, when he was asked about the run D, which the Niners have given up 5.6 yards per carry in the playoffs, he said, you know, not giving, he was like, what was the reason for that? He's like, not giving great effort as a group. Well, I mean, seriously, when is it? I mean, you're not giving great effort as a group. I mean, that's that's unacceptable across the board. You're talking about the playoffs, and now you're talking about the Super Bowl. So I don't know what he said yesterday. I don't know if he's like, hey, guys, it's us against the world. That speech, the media is evil, and they're going to point out that we're dogging it. Or if it was like, hey, guys, stop dogging it. I don't know if he, they pointed inward or pointed outward, but I think you know they know that people have noticed that, you know, they were there were some lollygagging in the NFC Championship game, and that's freaking unheard of. So that's that s has got to stop like right now. So the snap that you're talking about was the Jameer Gibbs touchdown, the 15 yarder that went around the right side, and that is Larry. I've been talking about this on my show and with my chat and with people who have made comments who have said uh, we might be overly critical. I say no. That is the single worst defensive snap put on football by this team not just this year but I mean, yeah years like there the amount of walking up to the play around the play not pursuing the play leaning arm tackling it's all just stuff that gets you yelled at at the high school level much less at the NFC championship game level and Chase Young unfortunately for him was the star of that horrible snap video that we've all seen could see it in real time you go back and you look at the replay it only gets worse and you brought it up yesterday you brought it up with Kyle Shanahan about Chase Young dogging it on that particular play take us through that interaction well you know I mean I I, I had to bring it up because it was I mean I didn't want to and I was driving down there and I'm like what I saw and you what you just said Damon is so spot on it was the worst example of dogging it I've seen on film um, in, in, in a long in, time. Well, it, when you consider the game and the stakes, that was the worst gag, the worst, uh, you know, the worst Jake in it I've ever seen in my life. And um, so I'm sitting there driving down there going, well, wait a second. I got to ask Shanahan about this. I know he's kind of addressed it, but I got to ask him about this because this, in my mind, is the story. And um, but I don't want to blow up the team. So I didn't want to be like, you know, this guy exactly name him. Um, and I, I just wasn't sure exactly how to go about it, you know. So um, I'm going to I'll share the screen right here and I'll play you what I asked him so everybody can kind of hear it. A hundred and five thousand people viewed this tweet yesterday. Here it is. Shanahan um from yesterday here we go let me get this to the start me and shanahan kyle your team plays really hard i think in all three phases of the game through your tenure here when you watch that film against detroit and you watch that second quarter uh halfback toss to gibbs what did you think of the pursuit effort of your defensive lineman on that play and is that in line with your culture here 
No, not at all. I mean, that's kind of what I was referring to on, I think, our conference call on Monday. Um, but it's, you know, and I know it looked bad on the clip that you guys have and stuff, but it's, um, yeah, we know it's not our culture. We don't want to have one play like that. We had about two to three in that game, which um, is too much for us. We won't ever have one, but it wasn't just the D-line. Uh, there was a few backside people who weren't going and they expecting someone else to make the tackle. And whenever you're expecting someone else to make the tackle, a few backside guys weren't going. I mean, that's about as that's about as benign a way of referring to it as I think I've ever heard. Um, but you know, at the same time, um, you know, he's trying to diffuse it as well to some degree because he the last thing he wants to do is blow up his locker room culture uh, the week of the Super Bowl. But at the well, same time, I mean, at the same it, time, it's important as as Ernest Sire says here, nailed it, Larry. They know we know, and it's like bottom line is, you know, there ain't nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, man. I lie, you lie, Kyle lies. The film never lies, and they watched it, they saw it, and is they can deal with the reality of it. Look, it's it's not an exaggeration to say that's one of the worst snaps of the entire Kyle Shanahan era. I mean, it truly is. It's it's as bad of a snap that this team has taken, and he knows it. And I, I don't know if that was part of the you know turnaround at halftime and the pointed things said, whatever Fred Warner said when he gathered the troops, there's no doubt that they were thinking about and talking about that play. If that play and that film is offensive to us, the layman, imagine how the professionals feel about it themselves. Right? You know, no one ever wants to be in the low light. And you had half the defense participating greatly in that low light. So, uh, again, I think that this team didn't need the lesson of how important any of these games were because they've been in it, they're experienced. But they got, in both the divisional and the conference championship game, they got they got a little religion scared into them. And I think that that's going to benefit them as they get ready to play what is now, you know, no more debating it, the biggest game of the year. And what a critical 48 hours it's been in terms of the biggest, other than the actual game itself, there's probably no more 48 hour window that it's going to determine the winner or loser than the one that we are either coming out of or, or ending kind of, we're in it right now, Larry, like full game plan install is in, of course, Kyle, the ultimate tinkerer is going to be tinkering with the game plan right up until kickoff. But the full install of the idea and all the game day must have this, must have that, that has all been, you know, given to everybody in a playbook and has probably already run a few plays that they might not have had at any point in time in the season just to catch Andy and Steve Spagnolo off guard with a little something new. Uh, so we might see, you know, them in, in practice this week. You know, going through that final install of plays that will determine this Super Bowl. This is a, just as a massive 24, 48, 72 hour window of prep right now that's going to go greatly into determining who wins this game. To help a point, Geo Kane in the chat drops this one, Damon, and, and we don't always react instantly to the chat, but this is a great one. He says those two games couldn't do anything but help the 49ers for this big game. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. Last time the Niners went to the Super Bowl, they rolled Minnesota, rolled Green Bay, ran the ball down their throat, got to the Super Bowl, and then had to lean on Jimmy G to throw the ball against a good Kansas City team, and he made just enough mistakes, um, and they made just enough mistakes collectively to get beat. 
by a really good Chiefs team. This year, the Chiefs roll in, beating Buffalo in Buffalo, beating Baltimore in Baltimore, while the Niners slip in by by the skin of their teeth with two very underwhelming performances against flawed teams and flawed defenses in Green Bay and Detroit. And they're in this game, and it's like, you know what? I kind of think that the combination of how poorly they've played and um, this whole thing about are they jaking it, are their guys going 100%, I have a feeling they're going to fire in a big, bad way on Super Bowl Sunday and get the ring. We'll see if it happens, but I kind of like the way it's set up, to be honest. It look if if there were any believe in your own hype or thinking too much of yourself that has certainly been taken away from them right in the last couple of games, and it really is the opponent that just makes you there's, there's I mean there, if there's no days off against most of the NFL there are zero days off against the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl and they know that and they know that and and look I had Nick Wright on the show this week. And we were all over our Brock Purdy debate. And I, I thought it was a good debate. I really did. Um, I think Nick is wrong. And if the 49ers win the Super Bowl, he might even lean into the fact he might have gotten it wrong. But the one thing that he did say that was impossible to argue with, that if the if the 49ers have played a sequence of games here, Larry, that will install further confidence in them here in the big game, Look at what the Kansas City Chiefs have done. The Kansas City Chiefs in three games here have basically rolled out one of the greatest three-game stretches of football we've seen in the postseason in a while. You know, they beat the Miami Dolphins in the freezer of a frozen Arrowhead Stadium on a very chilly night. Then they go to Buffalo, a stadium that was just at full throat and just insane. That game was delayed. It was, there's a lot of weirdness around it. They go and they win that game. Then they roll into Baltimore, and even though that score was sort of tight, the game really wasn't. I mean, they really served up a beat down of Baltimore, even though the scoreboard didn't reflect it. They, they controlled that football game. And these are you know, wildly impressive wins that they've had. So if you're Kansas City, you're coming in here thinking, well, there's nothing stopping us now. You know, so this should be, like you said, everyone's coming out to fire. Everyone involved in this game has got a little badassery about them. So it should be a hell of a football game. There is no doubt about it. Um, The key mismatch. The only negative for Kansas City at all that I can think of is that they lost Charles Amenehue yeah. um, in that last round, and Amenehue is monster and was playing great and had caused and a knows, turnover. He knows, he knows the Niners, and he's just a damn good football player. So, And they don't have a ton of depth there on their defensive line. So they lost a key cog, but they've got Mahomes. They've got Reed. They've got the knowledge of knowing that they've gotten the upper hand on the Niners. They also have film of the Niners kind of going through the motions at times against Detroit. Um, so bring it on. You know, we'll see. Joe Thune, according to the reports I'm reading, is going to go. The left guard uh, who's dinged up. And Willie Gay, it sounds like he might go in this game. So, um, you know, it's re- it, tee it up in, in Vegas and let's see who's the better team. Have you uh, noticed anything different or odd about Debo? There's no lingering effects of any shoulder, knee, anything. I mean, again, he, I, I would imagine he would shoot himself up with black tar China heroin if it took that to go ahead and, and, and play in the game. But any is there any lingering Debo might not be 100% just looking at him, talking to him, being around him this week? 
Well, you know, we didn't get a chance to talk to him yesterday. Um, they didn't have an open locker room. They won't today either. Um, I didn't notice anything where I felt like he was not looking good off and, um, you know, moving around on the field. But I, I, to be completely honest, I parked myself in front of the defensive line drills um, because I wanted to see exactly what the tempo was in their drills. So I was kind of studying that because to me, this game's won or lost with the 49er defensive line. I think Kinlaw is going to be absolutely huge in this game. Armstead is going to be absolutely huge in this game. Nick Bosa, I think, has the potential to win the MVP of this game. I think this D-line is where the Niners have built their team. It's where they've spent their money, and it's where they're going to win or lose. So I was kind of honing in on them, but today I'll, I'll check out Debo. Juwan Taylor versus Nick Bosa is one of the preeminent matchups in this game. Juwan Taylor is the right tackle of the Kansas City Chiefs. He is, here's the thing, he's good, but he's also sloppy. He's the most flagged offensive lineman, if not NFL player, in the league this year. And 20 penalties, 20, which are seven more than the second-place finisher. The second-place guy in penalties had 13. Juwan Taylor had 20. If he gets to play a clean game against Nick Bosa, something is is I don't want to Bill Finovich is going to be discussed in at great length on Monday. Exactly. This guy hasn't played a clean game all year, so it probably isn't going to start in the Super Bowl against the player the ilk of Nick Bosa. Having said all that, if Nick Bosa can get to Patrick Mahomes once, he will have done his job in this game. Sacking Patrick Mahomes once in a playoff game is a Herculean task. This guy does not get sacked in postseason play. It has not happened throughout basically the entirety of his career. First sack he took was one sack uh, against the Ravens, and that's the first time I think he's been sacked in two postseasons. Um, getting to Mahomes once is uh, start there. Let's not talk about multiple sacks until there's at least one. And if you do see one of Mahomes early, you talk about early signs, you know, what are good omens, bad omens. If this team sacks Mahomes in the first quarter, that's a real good sign. That's a real good sign. Bad sign would be Brock Purdy's passes are being batted down at the line of scrimmage. When that happens, bad things usually follow. Um, so you're right. It's, the line of scrimmage is where every football game gets decided, but this one, even more so. It's going to be big. I like how when you asked, you know, Nick Bosa about the line he would be playing, he's like, "Well, you know, they they hold, they hold, they hold a lot." A lot. I, you know what? Lot. Get that. Get and 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 um, you know, Jed mentioned it as well. Um, and you know what? The Niners need to hammer home that that narrative that these tackles for Kansas City held a lot in the last Super Bowl and um, have held a lot in the regular season and put that out there. If I was Shanahan, that's the first thing I would say if I hit the field when I talk to the officials pre-Super Bowl 58 is, hey, guys, are we going to allow, you know, I, I'm all for, you know, uh, letting them play, but, you know, blatant holds on my defensive end, uh, you know, are basically negate, a great player on my roster and negate, uh, and, and I don't want to see it. So could we at least call this thing fairly today? Because um, we got plenty of film in Super Bowl 54. I mean, that's not why they lost, but it's it didn't help. Let's just say that.
of course it doesn't help when one team is grabbing Nick Bosa and steering him with his shoulder pads. <laughs> That's sort of an advantage for the other team. And and Nick Bosa probably if 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 the guy he's up against, Jawan Taylor, is the most flagged player in football, I'd even make the argument that Nick Bosa is among the least flagged players in football in terms of the flags that he might have drawn. I think he gets held just about every other play. Of course, the argument has always been there's holding on every play. It's just, do you choose to call it? And there is some truth to that too, but it feels like egregious levels of holding against Nick Bosa are allowed for the sake of quarterback safety or something. It It, it is odd. Um, and neither one of us, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of people who spend a lot of time just complaining about calls. It's really not the way you and I go about our business, but that's certainly something to look for as this game is unfolding in front of us a couple of Sundays from now. Mooney Ward versus Rashi Rice is just a huge one, Larry. Like there's a part of me that thinks, well, Travis Kelsey's basically the Jerry Rice of tight ends and saying things out loud like, you got to shut that guy down. Obviously, there's something incredibly historically good about Travis Kelsey that prevents him from being shut down. Rashi Rice has been playing very well, but he is not the historical caliber of NFL talent that just, you can't shut that guy down. You can only hope to contain him. And this is where Mooney Ward, just has to have a monster afternoon because if you can really take this game, if you're so if you're Steve Wilkes and you're looking at you're looking at the the, the Kansas City Chiefs, you got four guys you're mostly worried about, right? Mahomes, Pacheco, Rice, and Kelsey. Yep. If you can take Rice out of that equation, well, then all of a sudden there's two guys to worry about, and you just got closer to winning a Super Bowl. And I well, and if you've looked since um, since since, since Thanksgiving, Larry, since thank hold on, hold on. Okay, I think it's easier to shut down Rashi Rice with Mooney Ward than it might be just Pacheco is totally out of this game plan because the 49ers run defense is bared its fangs and is just stopping everyone two yards behind the line of scrimmage. And again, I think it's going to be easier to 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 close the spigot on Rice than the running game across the board or Travis Kelsey. So I hope Mooney Ward can do that. Yeah, I mean, since um, they lost to Philly, right? They lost to Philly 21-17 in uh, third week in November. Since that point, if you look at the game log for Rashi Rice, they are going to him in huge number. He, he had 10 targets the next week against the Raiders, nine the next week against Green Bay, 10 the next week against Buffalo, nine the next week against New England, 12 uh, the next week against the Raiders, six against the Bengals, and then in these playoffs, 12 against Miami, four where he caught all four against Buffalo. That was a running game. And then nine last week against against Baltimore. So he's gone for 130. He's gone for 127. He's gone for 107. So, I mean, he's they they don't trust their other receivers. So... You know, they, when they get in the red zone, they're going to Kelsey and they're going to Rice. And so the Niners have to make sure those guys are covered up. And if if you can force them to go to somebody besides those two guys in the red zone, I think you're going to have done your job. Kelsey and Rice have combined for 43 of the Chiefs' 70 postseason receptions so far this postseason. 61% of all air traffic goes through just those two guys. The 49ers defense takes one guy out. It's very good. You take both guys out. 
the parade goes up Market Street. Well, I, you know, I don't know if you can take Kelsey out, but I will I say this. It. The 49ers have, in Fred Warner, the best coverage linebacker in the game. And if you know they're going to Kelsey, uh, you can tilt your coverage towards him. And, um, and you know, this is not the the Chiefs of the team that came to Levi's in 2022. And it's sure as hell not the Chiefs team that beat the Niners four years ago that had a bevy of different weapons. They're going to those guys. So can you cover them? Can you cover them? And then to me, the other one is can you can you cover or can you rush uh, Mahomes so he doesn't escape the pocket? I think that was asked yesterday. How do you defend Mahomes? And I think uh, Bosa said, hey, man, you got to keep him in the pocket because he's looking, especially since late October when they basically said we're, we don't trust anybody else. I think Reed has basically simplified it and said, hey, look, we're going to hand it to Pacheco. We're going to throw it to Rice. We're going to throw it to Kelsey or you're going to run. And so he's looking to run, I think, more than ever. So keeping him hemmed in the pocket is absolutely one of the biggest uh, objectives of Super Bowl Sunday. It was a talking point of the broadcast crew in the AFC title game that you know the the ravens believe that patrick mahomes on his scrambles gets a little too aggressive a little too late into his slide in which case if you can take a shot on mahomes take it you know that's basically what the ravens told the cbs broadcast crew their plan was because they talked about it during the game it's a much more shall we say delicate way of going about it than the way Mark Chamorro was talking about playing. You know, when you got a chance to put a lick on somebody, don't worry about the flag that might come behind it. Take your shot. Like when Dre Greenlaw sees Travis Kelsey coming across the middle, he's got to give Travis Kelsey something to think about. Larry, you have vanished. Hi, everybody. Welcome to uh, uh, the Krug show. With Larry Kruger back with us once again, live from Kruger's <laughs> Studios. Fat fingers, man, to hit the wrong button. Hit the it's wrong right. button. There you that go. I right. just I ejected myself from the show as I was just trying to uh, call up something on the computer. Dre Greenlaw, if he's got a shot on 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 Travis Kelsey, you take it. I, I so I I have nothing but respect for Travis Kelsey. The guy is he really is. He's the Jerry Rice of tight ends. He's the greatest receiving tight end of all time. What a, what a Super Bowl of tight ends we got. We got the greatest fully formed functioning tight end in the league in George Kittle, Mr. Do-It-All. George Kittle could be the right tackle for half the teams in this league. He's such a good blocker. Uh, and then you got Travis Kelsey, who has already now caught more postseason balls than Jerry Rice did. He is prolific. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And what I can't believe and I, I get maybe maybe this is something that you enjoyed when you were you know covering rice and rooting for rice and um how is he so open all the time? Every single team's defensive coordinator, I'm assuming, is at least decent enough at their job to think like we well we got to slow down Travis Kelsey. Let's pay a little attention to him. I imagine much of defenses' focuses are on Travis Kelsey every single time you're playing the Chiefs. Yet there, Travis Kelsey is again in every game that I watch. Larry running wide open, sitting down in a zone where there isn't a player within eight yards of him. Travis could put both of his arms out and start spinning like he's a teenage girl at a Taylor Swift concert. 
on the lawn. Just he can start spinning around and no one would even he wouldn't even touch anybody. He's so wide open. You cannot give him free release off the line. You got to hit him oh, on the line. That's a big one. That's a big one. You got to hit him on the line of scrimmage. And then you basically, I think if you're Steve Wilkes, you tell you tell Fred Warner, if this guy goes to the bathroom, I want you to go with him. Like you can forget about defending the run, Fred. I don't want you to look at Patrick Mahomes all day. Your job is to stay on top of Travis Kelsey, not around him, on top of him. And Fred, like you said, Fred Warner has the talent to do it. Well, he, they have to the chess piece that can get that done. Did you see JT O'Sullivan's breakdown? I have not. I've not. So it's funny because JT O'Sullivan, this was a major theme of his breakdown of Chiefs Ravens that that teams, you know, and the Ravens continuously allowed Kelsey to get a free release off the line of scrimmage. And the Niners can't allow that. They've got to muscle him at the line of scrimmage. They got to interrupt his rhythm because the bottom line is they play backyard ball. Uh, Mahomes knows Kelsey. Kelsey knows Mahomes. They really, really um, are on the same page. Right. There's and, the play that's called, and then there's the play that happens. Right. And and they and they can they he's got a great sense. They've got a great sense of each other. Mahomes has got a great sense of where Kelsey's going to be. Um, it makes it nearly impossible to defend. So the very first thing you have to do is you have to hit Travis Kelsey coming off the line of scrimmage and interrupt that rhythm immediately. And if you do, I think that's the beginning of defending him. Welcome to Wake Up. Damon and Larry, it's great to have you here this time next week. But we'll probably already have some 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 Vegas stubble going. We will have been there for a few days already, Larry, this time next week. Uh, we are going to be coming to you live throughout the week in Las Vegas. We're going to be bringing you to cool locations and uh, great backdrops and, and talking to really interesting people and talking to a whole bunch of people on the street. Like, I can't wait to do it. It's going to be so much fun. Please hit like and subscribe. It is great to be with you. Larry and I will have a big announcement, by the way, about Wake Up that will come to you from Las Vegas. There is. I, I hope you enjoy the show. There's going to be more of it coming to you in a very near future. We're excited to tell you all about it. Um, and look, this is going to be an awful, awful lot of fun. And your son is going to lose his Vegas virginity all at the same time. Oh my goodness, this is like this is overwhelming. Like I, I, I wasn't even factoring that into my game plan. Now I have to factor that in. I've see we got to be tweaking right until kickoff, Larry. We got to be tweaking this game plan because things unfold late and sometimes in prep week. It's going to be big. It's going to be absolutely big. And um, what kind of weather are we going to get in Vegas? Is it going to be kind of mild? I don't know. I, I I I'm the last person that ever looks at the what's the weather going to be. I'll You're tell you sick. this: it doesn't feel like it could be much worse than it's been in the Bay Area this week. It's been like raining sideways every 25 minutes outside my window. Let me see what what Vegas is right now. Um, the beautiful I, thing is, is it we'll doesn't be really matter because we're indoors pretty much the entire time, which is why baseball can't work in Las Vegas because that's an outdoor sport. You put it indoors, it kind of sucks. But that's another that's another show. <laughs> uh, let's see, Las Vegas, Nevada, right now it's forty six today, so it's it's pretty cold. cold high measure. of High of 57, low of 42, um, and it looks like it's going to be next week high in the low 50s. 
Uh, All right. Super Bowl Sunday will be 58 degrees. Doesn't matter because of the dome. But yeah, low looks like 40s to low to low 50s. So let's be a, a little bit on the chillier side. A little bit on the chillier side. Well, so there goes all that uh, that that poolside footage that we were hoping to bring you. There, you <laughs> exactly. We're, we're not going to have to bring Kevin to the Cosmo for uh, for for rehab. Um, which is is that where they do rehab? Where they do the like the, like you can lay out by the pool and they'll they'll set you up with a an IV. To like I know I I know nothing of rehab. Uh, you know, I've always been able to keep my drinking uh, in line. Well, we'll test that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't say it was in a good straight line. I just said in line. <laughs> right. Right. There will be no field sobriety tests randomly given to anybody during this trip. Um, but okay. So I guess, Larry, that is uh, standard white guy in Vegas apparel for you and me that's pants or jeans and a t shirt and a blazer. That's pretty much, the, I guess, the way we rock it, right? They'll, yeah, there'll be no, uh, there'll be no, I guess, shorts and t-shirts, but, um, but we'll for have, all of us. Yeah, well, we're, we're gonna have a good time. We're gonna have a good time, um, and I, I can't wait. And you bringing a suit? You bringing like a straight up? I'm wearing a suit today. Are you doing one of those days in Vegas? I am gonna bring a suit because I'm doing a couple TV hits um, that I was told, hey, if you could uh, dress up, that would be great. So that there you go. I will TV have hits. I've got a couple TV hits. Yeah, I'm 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 on the uh, television with Craig Mish uh, from Florida, and I'm and I've got one other TV hit uh, that's uh, going to be be there as well. So I will bring a suit, but I may only wear the jacket and the shirt. There you go. I mean, those TV hit, again. Are we going from waist up, or is he going full body shot? Your shoes got to be on point too. There's a big world of television difference. I know. Well, the nice thing is, I'll bring it all. I'll bring it all and we'll be ready, ready to go. roll. And, uh, but man, we're, we're going to be cutting loose. We're going to have a good time. If you see Damon and I walking around the strip, Kev's already got a, um, a mobile light for our get for our gimbal. So now we've got the gimbal and the mobile light. So if you see us walking around in the evening, uh, be like a moth to a, to, to a flame and come on over and interrupt our live shot and, uh, and inject yourself into it. There you are, standing at the sphere, one of the modern creations of man that is just captivating everyone. But if you see a tiny little dot of a light on a gimbal, that's us. Come flying over. <laughs> look at us. Look at us going gimbal. We got a gimbal budget. We, oh yeah, we got. The, oh we yeah, got, I got, we got gimbal money, Larry. Is that no, wake up's got gimbal money? Not only that, we got multiple cameras. We've got lighting. We've got all kinds of yeah. I mean, we've got multi you know thousands you know of dollars worth of equipment. You know what I also did? I got uh, a couple of uh, Bluetooth microphones for us to pin to our lapels so people can hear us. Did you say pre-rolls? What did you What did you say? Yes, I oh. definitely said we're bringing pre-rolls oh, and oh. some psilocybin because there's nothing better than covering a Super Bowl on mushrooms. That's, that's the best. <laughs> Where are Damon and Larry? They're on top of the uh, sphere. <laughs> they climbed up to the top of the sphere. They're on mushrooms. We can't get them out of Circus Circus. We, they joked about going the entire time. All they did was make fun of Circus Circus the entire week leading up to the Super Bowl. But and now love we're here. It. And they're, they've been in Circus Circus for 72 hours straight. We can't get them out. <laughs> <laughs> My God. I mean, Circus Circus. I mean, we're going to need a penicillin shot if we go in there. Oh, 
it's good times, man. Good times. I can't wait for it. It's going to be an awful lot of fun. No free release for anyone, especially Travis Kelsey. No free release. Yeah, that's no right. No free release. It really is amazing. It is amazing. I mean, like, okay. So are we going to go on the roller coaster? Isn't there a roller coaster on top of, uh, is it Paris or New York, New York? Or so the roller coaster, there are two roller coasters, right? There's one on top of the Strata, and then there's one at New York, New York. There you go. I've never been on a Las Vegas roller coaster. Dude, I did I ever tell you my uh, experience on it? So I was at my brother's bachelor party. This is like 20 years ago because uh, his kid's now in college. But we were, um, it was like in June. It was 97 degrees. We get on the roller coaster in the casino. The casino is freezing, right? It's like uh, whatever it is to keep it at a cool 60 or whatever. Right. Um, so now we're getting, we're coming out of the, the casino out of the casino and the roller coaster is going up, 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 up. And you can just feel this blanket of heat hitting you. And it felt really good. I'm like, ah, that feels good. That warmth. Then of course, you know, it's the roller coaster and it flips you around and this and that, and it's pretty wild and this and that. And then, so now you're, you've got, you're tossed and turned. You've got, uh, you know, a total, uh, you've got this blanket of heat on you. You've got a little sweat rolling and then it rolls into the casino. And now you've got a cold sweat. Well, I mean, I seriously, I got off that roller coaster. I thought I was going to die. This is how like, people get pneumonia. I was like, oh, my God. I, I, I Now I've got hot. I've, I've got a cold sweat. I, my stomach's been tossed and turned. I mean, I seriously, I, and, and this was early, too. We weren't even, I mean, I, I can't even imagine if you had gone to like a big dinner and had a bunch of drinks and then rode that thing. Oh, I mean, it's Yak City, man. Yeah, that's the thing. You got to you got to watch, you know, there's the, so the whole like don't go in the pool until it's been a half an hour after you've eaten. Like that's a total wives tale. That's something your grandmother told you just because she didn't want to go back to the pool and watch your ass swimming in the pool. So that's they the ladies wanted a little bit more time around the shady lunch table, which is why you're not allowed to go back to the pool right now, Ricky, after a hot dog and chips. Exactly, exactly. But you do not want to be riding a roller coaster in Las Vegas after heavy sugar drink cocktail drinking with all the bad food that you also consume. That's there is a half an hour you're going to want to digest that before you get in a roller coaster. That's that is a real rule i'd say hit the roller coaster in the morning maybe before you go anywhere and then you know, maybe then start your drinking then get on with it you know what i'm saying maybe, you gotta do things should, in the right order you gotta do things we, in the right order maybe we should put some action on this who pukes first damon or larry <laughs> oh it'll definitely be you dude i'm i'm a i'm a vet dude i i mean i've i've been i you know I, i've got i've just you know i'm I can go and go and go and go and go. I can drink crazy drinks. I can eat crazy food. Um, you know, I'm 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 I've, I'm I'm an ironclad stomach. We'll see. Maybe it'll be Kev. <laughs> we'll see. Well, Kev's rocking the gimbal to film the entire transaction. So I, I want I wanted to actually, you know, a, a close up of whoever goes first. Maybe we'll just <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll put it in a shadow box so no one has to actually see it happen. But this is going to be a very, very good time. Our friend uh, Gianna, Gianna Franco, wants us both to come on by the KPIX uh, uh, studio. They are going to be set up, Larry, right, like I believe at the Bellagio Fountain because CBS has the Super Bowl and KPIX is our local CBS affiliate. So they're getting red carpet treatment. You know, it's funny. I was talking to Nick, Nick Wright, and I asked him, and I assumed, like, you know, of course is shows going out there and cowherds going out there they're not 
They're not, by the way. How nuts is that? Because it's not Fox's Super Bowl. They're not setting up like a big studio at another location. I know Dan Patrick is going to be at the Fountain Blue. Um, but I'm really surprised that like Fox is just not sending its big shows to the Super Bowl. If that doesn't show you that things on TV are starting to change, Larry, that's all you need to know. And it's going to be interesting to see what stations do and do not show up on Radio Row. What what Radio Row actually looks like? Is it going to be, hey, the Super Bowl's in Las Vegas, and there are definitely nine thousand more people in here than there need to be, or will it be, hey, even though it's the first Super Bowl in Las Vegas, you can see the radio economy has sent no stations here and this is a bad harbinger of things to come. It's going to be really interesting to see the evolution of media just through the lens of this Super Bowl and how it's covered and who's going and who's got the budget to even send, uh, you know, one show, much less multiple shows. Well, I know locally, 95-7, the game is sending... A bunch of people. I know KMBR is sending a bunch of people. So, th- but they're of course around the Niners, um, and there's a heavy interest here in the Bay Area for everything and anything coming out of Las Vegas next week. But I do wonder about that. Um, you know, it's also too. I, I don't, did you hear the Dan Patrick take that? That I mean, he was all over the map, and it kind of was embarrassing actually. But he was his take was like, you know. Nobody wanted to see this Super Bowl. And it's like, wait a second. Brock Purdy is one of the biggest stories in, in, in football in years. The Niners are an iconic franchise. The Chiefs are a dynasty with the best player in the sport. Right. Who, and they just happen who to have the most popular woman on the planet just right. sort of around them right now. So that draws right. in more. Dan Patrick's out of his mind. This is it. outside of the Dallas Cowboys or in the Super Bowl. This is a Super Bowl that the NFL would dial up. Yeah, I mean, are, what are you telling me that you'd rather have seen the Ravens and the Lions? You got to be kidding me. Look, I will give you the Lions only for the never seen that before factor. And America loves an underdog. Uh, America you loves. You haven't seen a, the Niners either in a while. No, but the, here's the thing the Niners have actually been to two Super Bowls, you know, semi recently. There's only four, there's only eight players from the last Super Bowl of the 53 on the roster still even on the roster. Right. No, look, I, but I mean, God, that could be two years and it could be like that. That's the yeah, NFL yeah. fast. But I'm not. I, look, the, the 49ers show up in more stadiums with more fans than anywhere. The 49ers fan base is Travels. as big of an NFL fan base as you're going to find in the world of sports. It's massive. But the Lions would have just given something to the world it's never seen before. And we're always curious about things we've never seen before. Lions in a Super Bowl? That can't be. There's no way. All right. That brings in a lot of casual fans, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think the Niners, the Niners fans bring in a lot of casual fans. The 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 Chiefs do as well. They've been so popular in the last decade, and then you get the whole Taylor Swift factor in there. This is this is exactly the Super Bowl, given the four remaining teams that the NFL would serve up to you. Maybe the Lions for a rarity factor, 
could have replaced the Niners in the Super Bowl plans. There is no way the NFL would rather have the Baltimore Ravens in this game than the Kansas City Chiefs. None chance. Zero. America loves it. B, uh, B4 time says America loves an underdog, question mark, just not Purdy. That's right. And that's it is amazing that Purdy is not the underdog. <laughs> I mean, right. I mean that that right there is kind of amazing right there that that Brock Purdy goes against Patrick Mahomes in a Super Bowl and Purdy's team is favored. Well, and that's probably one of the arguments that they'll use against Purdy. We all know who the quarterback matchup is, and the Niners are so overwhelmingly built that anybody could do that and blah, 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 blah. Like, I just went through that with Nick in a lot of ways. Um, one of the things that I want to bring up, Larry, is, oh. you know, the, the NFL. Go go ahead. No, I was going to say Sam Fisher doing a little drive-by on Dan Patrick. Is Dan Patrick still relevant? I thought he went the way of the fax machine. You still got Phil, the show killer. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I haven't. I haven't seen Dan in, in a while. I, how about this though? Even though I don't consume him a lot, nor do I see him a lot, I've always liked Dan Patrick. I've always liked Dan Patrick. I mean, you know, when I think of people who have been big in our biz, I think of Rome, Dan Patrick, Mike and the Mad Dog. Pharrell, Pharrell. I'm on with with Rome later today, this morning. JT the Brick is in for Rome, so I'm going to be joining him uh, in the 10 o'clock hour somewhere this morning. The Brick, the Brick's another one. Here's what's funny: Jim Party with the Brick. Jim Rome can't host his show on the Friday before he's going to Las Vegas for what to prep for going. I don't know what it is. JT the Brick is literally driving in from Las Vegas to host Jim Rome's show, and then we'll drive back to Las Vegas. So, um, I, it's, I guess it's good to be the king, right? You can you can say I'm going to take the Friday off before the Super Bowl, which is basically media suicide for most. But there you go, Jim Rome. I guess can get away with it. I thought um, JT would be doing it from Vegas. Well, he will. That's the thing. He will, of course, be doing it from Vegas, but he's going to go to the actual Rome studio, which is somewhere in Orange County, and so. That's there, anyway. Yeah. Back um, and forth. Oh, this is what I wanted to say. So it, it kind of dawned on me just talking about Brock Purdy and like really trying to do a deep dive in my own mind. Like, why, why is this guy the most unassuming, one of the best stories? Why is this guy so propped up as a false prophet. People are trying to say that, you know, that there's, there's no real there, there to him there. This, this cannot be significant beyond the moment that it's in. There's nothing sustainable to the guy. And, and I, I think I got a theory that I hadn't really thought about before and I want to share it with you and I want to see what you think about it. Okay. The NFL is the only league in the world, Larry, that gives its media, its fans, and basically the entire league has full-on permission to laugh at, underestimate, and mock one player, Mr. Irrelevant. There is no other league that mocks the draft of any player at any position in any round but for the NFL to the point where they throw this freaking galactic loser a parade at Disney World because it's the closest this loser is ever going to come to a parade. And it just sets up someone almost from, you know, a, a place where they really can't come back from. 
And I do believe an awful lot of draftism is happening here to Brock Purdy and anyone's evaluations. If Brock Purdy had been a top 10 pick, people would be getting knee pads out to blow him so much. But because he's Mr. Irrelevant. Nice imagery. The one place, the one place in sports where we've been given full-on permission to underestimate and mock that guy, I think that there's something to it. I think that there really is. And I think that Brock Purdy has done enough being the last pick in the draft to take this Mr. Irrelevant thing and shut it down once and for all. How can you call that position Mr. Irrelevant if a guy who was in an MVP conversation and two weeks from now maybe goes on to win a Super Bowl has done that? I think the NFL needs to think about its branding of that draft pick, and I think it's negatively affect Brock Purdy. Well, I don't know. I I, I think it's partly that, partly that. Um I think it's well, also it's partly to, to mock the player. It just that's, well, how, that's the direction everyone took it. Yeah, I mean, you know, they think it's kind of cute and everything. It's it's uh, and I don't care. I mean, these guys are, you know, they, they can handle it. You know, I, I'm not one of these people. Like, they should. They're doing a disservice. Stop it. Stop it. They're having a little fun with the last pick in the draft. Um, and, and we're all too freaking sensitive. Heck, we lived in an era where every one of our sports games at recess started with all you guys line up on the wall. You and you are coaches pick teams. Now that would be considered like bullying. Exclusionary. Yeah. Well, who's going to get picked last? Oh, dude, the NBA All-Stars can't even take it. Like you're right. an NBA oh, All-Star no, Seriously. Yeah. And, yeah. and they, they, no one so, will be picked last there. That's so rich. You've got an entourage and you've got like $85 million in the bank and we're worried about your feelings. Um, yeah. Or, you know, I was dissed, man. Yeah. You know, I think it has to do with a couple things. One, that I think you're par- partially right. Two, we are a highlight culture. Nobody takes time to read the book. Everybody's reading the cliff notes. You know, so the highlights show... Brock Purdy's arm strength and he and his his uh, stature and nobody's impressed. You're he's not the kind of guy that if you watch one highlight, you're like, oh yeah, man, oh yes, that is the guy. And so when you're doing a create a player on a Madden game, you don't create Brock Purdy. He's the opposite, the literal polar opposite of Colin Kaepernick. Who everybody, Jaws, who's always super measured, said Colin Kaepernick's going to be the greatest quarterback in the history of the league. Why? Because he was 6'5", 6'6", with unbelievable arm strength, crazy mobility, and you just looked at him and said, man, look at that guy. That guy's tough. He's lean. He's fast. He's got a howitzer. He's he fu- cool, too. He's, he's the future. The future. And he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and he was the guy. You look at Brock Purdy, you don't go, oh, yes, cutting edge. And and I would say that's a big part of it. Also, Brock's true gifts are all not, you can't see them. He's got rare competitive fire. He's really processes what he sees fast. And he's, you know, so he's super competitive. You can't see that. He's super smart in how he breaks things down. You can't see that. He doesn't have big, broad shoulders. He's got kind of narrow shoulders. 
he actually weighs about 230 pounds and he's kind of yoked, but he's kind of narrow structured in his build. So you look at him and you think small guy, but if you stood next to him in the locker room, you realize, oh, you know, this guy's about 230. He's pretty, pretty thick, um, but it doesn't translate to TV. And he just, you know, I think that's it. And then he's on a team that has all these high profile weapons um, and a high profile coach. And it's just kind of easy to be like, he's just along for the ride. And it's kind of pathetic. I mean, Cam Newton is like, he's not even the best player on the Niners. CMC is. It's like, dude, CMC isn't. It's like, if you knew shit, you'd know it's Trent Williams. So you can't even get your rip down, right? Um, I, you know, it's, I don't, I, mean, I don't know what else to say. I just think that there's nothing. I mean, I'll say this. When the Niners drafted him, and I watched tons of college football, and I knew all about Brock Purdy in college, I wasn't doing cartwheels. I was like, really? They went for that guy? Do they even need a quarterback? And they went for a kind of a, uh, a quarterback who's kind of a college athlete and not really a pro and this and that. And then a buddy of mine who scouted said, hey, look, I was, uh, I was in Ames. I've done the close-up close on this guy. I've done the deep dive. Krug, watch this film, look at this guy. And then he went to Jacksonville, worked on his arm strength, became a little bit more sudden, a little bit. So he had, in my mind, he didn't have requisite arm strength. By the time he got to training camp, his rookie year, he had developed requisite arm strength. So then it's like, wow, then now all of his other traits can come to life, like the competitive fire and the processing. Um, and then you mix in the competitiveness and the humility in a lot of ways, he is very similar to Joe Montana and Tom Brady in that those guys were insanely competitive, and this guy is insanely competitive. And I would kind of compare him as well to another athlete in another sport. He's a little like Steph in that nobody really thought that he's got that baby face. He's kind of like the Bay Area second baby-faced assassin. And he's a little bit like Ichiro, where his game's not based on power. And so even though he's one of the all-time greats, Ichiro in, in this case, he doesn't get recognized as one of the all-time greats because he's we're a power culture and his game's not game wasn't built on power. So would you, would you call Brock Purdy the Jung Hu Lee of the San Francisco 49ers, Larry? No, I would not. <laughs> <laughs> I'd he say he's quite a bit better than Jung Hu yeah. Lee. Uh, no, but I think there's a lot of Steph there. From Steph, nobody wanted to say Steph was an assassin until he won. He, you know, he was just a he was like a kid who was, had good hand-eye coordination, and that's, you know, I think people look at Brock and they're like, ah, he's a product of his surroundings. He's not. Uh, if anything, they're a product of him. I mean, here's the the one stat. It's amazing how people always forget they use stats. And then when they don't want to use them anymore, they forget about them. When Brock Purdy ran on the field in a 49er uniform to replace Jimmy Garoppolo in against Miami week 13 last season, all non-Garoppolo quarterbacks under Kyle Shanahan were 9-29. and 29. The guy is now 21-5. and five. So he's totally flipped the, you know, narrative on its ear. It's like no quarterbacks can win under in, in Kyle's system except for Jimmy G. Oh, really? This guy can win in Kyle's system better than Jimmy G. But all those other guys were dogs with fleas. So, you know, it's amazing how 
you know, we use that stat to prop up Jimmy G as the ultimate winner. Now you get a guy who steps in who's even better than Jimmy G in every way imaginable to the point where Husechek, Kittle, and some of the guys that were like Jimmy G's boys, would they even they would admit that Brock's world's better than Jimmy G. And here's the thing. Jimmy Garoppolo was a pretty good quarterback for the 49ers. I mean, he really was like the, he, was. the he won tearing it down of Jimmy G to make a point about Brock. Like I think is unnecessary. Jimmy G in another system is a totally different guy, but for the system, when he was in it, he fit it very well. And Brock is even a better fit, which I guess makes him more of a system quarterback. And now here we go again. And now the conversation never ends. Did you see the conversation start between Jed York and that assembled media scrum Larry. I don't know if you were in it. The I was camera there. Angle. I was the there. Camera angle, I saw Jed. I didn't see you. I saw Kawakami. I saw Killian off to the side, but I didn't see you. I was front and center. I was front right, nose to nose with the owner of the Niners. You got access, boy. Wow, man. I, I mean, I, you I was right there. I could have, I could have touched him. I could have grabbed. You should insist that he brings you to the French laundry someday, Larry. You really should. Um, <clears throat> Anyway, I did like the story that Jed shared about how, you know, Kyle comes up to him and says, look, um, our third string quarterback is our best quarterback. And I know that 2022. Yeah. We paid Jimmy G a boatload. We just invested all this capital in, in the, in the rookie that everyone's excited about. And we did all this work to study and find and identify as our future. Our future lies in the last pick of the draft and just mark my words, that's the way it's going to go down. And then Jed said, and Kyle didn't force it. You know, he didn't go rearranging the chairs in the depth chart. He let it sort of play out. And due to a couple of injuries, that's the way it played out. What I'm surprised I haven't seen already is a return to, do you think Kyle tried to get Trey Lance hurt because he knew he needed to get Purdy into the game? Like I, that's going to happen at some point in time. That's going to, I'm surprised it hasn't happened already, but I thought it was a really interesting story that Jed shared because it showed you a little bit into the insight of what Kyle knew when he knew it. And he pretty much from the jump said to himself, this is a this is a third string quarterback, and I do I, I I remember him saying, I've never been more excited about a third string quarterback in my entire career, and that's basically where Kyle left it. He didn't say anything more than that, but the fact that he did say that, I thought said an awful lot. And sure enough, a couple of years later, here we are with that third string quarterback in the Super Bowl. Well, it's it was it's interesting on so many fronts, isn't it? I mean, it really is. One, it's interesting that Jed volunteered that. It wasn't like there was some probing list of questions and he broke down under pressure. He volunteered that. He just totally volunteered that. So that was interesting. Why would he volunteer that? I mean, maybe just to make more of a story of the narrative of Brock Purdy and his ascension to the top spot. But also it really plays into uh, my take from last offseason, which was they weren't going with Trey. And that the Trey era was over and it was just about the formality of where it was going. And I took so freaking much heat from saying last March. I mean, this is a year. This is almost a year after Kyle knew that Brock was his guy. 
And I said it, I said it in 2022 to Bonte and Shasky in a face-off situation on 95-7. I said, you know what? Brock Purdy looks great. And this guy's real. And they're like, oh, fuck yeah, come on. No, that Krug's really getting over his skis. And I'm like, I'm telling you, man, I'm there. I'm watching these drills. And Jimmy's not even performing the drills. He's on that field. And Trey's standing there next to Brock. And Brock looks like the starter. And Trey's balls high, low, in, out. It's hitting the ground. It's hitting greasy. It's hitting people 12 feet behind the receiver. His accuracy was totally spotty, and Purdy just poop right there, just strikes and made, made every drill look like he'd done it for 15 years. And I'm sitting there going, well, wait a second. This guy's mastering all these drills. And then the preseason, I'm like, wow, this guy looks great. Absolutely phenomenal. Where Tim Ryan and I were like, dude, this guy is the guy. And yet Trey was going to get his shot. They invested a ton. Then he got hurt. Um, I don't think Kyle got him hurt, but he got hurt. Jimmy came in. Then he got hurt. Then Brock came in. And I said it. I said it in the press box for loud enough for 25 people around me to hear. As as they're carting off Garoppolo and, they're, and Purdy's taking the field, I said the Niners just got a whole lot better at quarterback. <laughs> I had people in the front row of the, me, of the press box looking up at me like, what? Are you are you this kid's uncle? Um, and and you know, I just knew that the kid was better than than Garoppolo. But yeah, no, it, it's amazing that that Jed said it. It's also really in, in interesting that you know that um, Shanahan basically. I mean, that's a that's a that's a pretty bad thing to have to say to the owner, dude. You just you just paid twenty million for that guy. Oh, and you, and you just we just told you that we're going to trade all these draft picks for the other guy. And now we're on the field for a little amount of time. And the third guy is the guy. And I'm surprised that Jed didn't lose confidence in Kyle over that. And he just, you know, let it all play out. And then these guys got contract extensions. I mean, Lynch and Shanahan have brand new contract extensions, despite the fact that they wasted $20 million of Jed's money, wasted, you know, three number one draft choices, you know, but um, that's let's what be, happens when you can find your guy. Honest. Let's be completely honest. Purdy Brock, saved their bacon. Purdy has saved everybody's career. He saved every single 49er fan from the world that they were living in. He saved the 49ers from himself. He saved uh, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch from themselves. Yeah. He saved this entire franchise. <laughs> it's amazing the get out of jail free card that Brock Purdy became for a a decision on a quarterback which would have suffocated many other coaches even with the track record of success that Kyle was putting up that was a moment in time that was so big such a you finally get to pick your quarterback Kyle like ever the one thing you said you never got to do or never had the way you wanted it now you finally get to pick your guy invests all that capital in picking his guy and then instantly knows, oh, this ain't the guy. <laughs> that must have been a sleepless night in Casa de Shanahan, right? Like, oh my I don't God. Know. Casa de Shanahan's a $12 million, 15-room estate with like a pool, a golf course, a batting sure, cage. Sure didn't sleep well in it the night <laughs> he, he dumped three draft picks into a guy who can't play much. I you know, know I mean? The night you pawn for a fourth-round pick to your rival. That's the other one too. It's like, oh yeah, 
We still think Trey's got a huge future. Really? You just traded him to the Dallas Cowboys. Right. You ain't that worried. I mean, could you imagine the Giants had some awesome prospect and all of a sudden they're like, hey, we traded him to the Dodgers for a fifth round pick. But we still think he's got a great chance to have a huge future. When yep. Jung Hu Lee demands his trade to the Dodgers, everyone's going to know what's happening here. God, I can only wait for the Jung Hu Lee uh, realization to come. If that guy winds up being what I think he's going to be, which is 275, five home runs, five stolen bases right. for, ni- for $19 million. The Korean Mike Yastrzemski. I mean, <laughs> when that guy winds up being a guy who hits eight, seven, eight, nine, and not one, two, we'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm rooting for the I'm rooting for good things for Jung Hu Lee because he likes YouTube and um and he's you know lovely. anybody who likes YouTube is is all right by me, but they're paying him what the Astros or what the Astros are paying Jordan Alvarez. They're paying him what the Diamondbacks are paying are paying Corbin Carroll. So all I gotta say is Jung Hu Lee. Better be freaking good. He better be good. He better be good. If, if How about this? Luckily, Kyle Shanahan's entire reputation wasn't attached to this one draft pick. Right. This Farhan's entire career should be attached directly to Jung Hu Lee. Is he or isn't he? Um, <laughs> let's make sure that we have people continue to watch today's show by stop talking about the San Francisco Giants quickly. That's right. There were there were seven seven thousand people in the room five seconds ago. We talked Jung Hoo Lee, and now there's only twelve hundred. It is great to have you here. Please hit like and subscribe. Wake up with Damon and Larry. I hope it's a show that you like because more of it is going to be coming your way. I can promise you that. Larry and I will have some announcements next week from Las Vegas. We need the proper backdrop to announce a few things that we are going to do. Um, and look, it's it's going to be an awful lot of fun. Let me ask you a question. Question here, Larry. A uh, little random test. Look me in the eye. Look me. Look straight in your camera. I don't want you to be looking at uh, any 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 game logs or any, any. I don't want you googling anything. Are you ready? Here's your question. Yes. yes. <clears throat> what is Debo Samuel's single game highest rushing total from this year? Oh, from this year. From this year. Uh, Debo Samuel's season high rushing total. Sixty-two yards. I would have been in that neighborhood myself. Definitely north of 50, definitely under 100, somewhere in that, you know, 60 to 75, 38 yards. 38 yards is the biggest rushing day for Debo all season. It came in week two against the Rams. Now he's averaged 6.1 yards per carry in the regular season, but he only toted it 37 times. He has not run the ball very well in the postseason, but. If you're asking me which 49er weapon probably holds the biggest responsibility in terms of confusing Steve Spagnolo, it's Debo Samuel. And I think that if Debo has a really big, like Debo, if, if so it'd be stupid if we're betting Niners have won, who's your MVP, right? It'd be stupid to place anybody in front of Brock Purdy because that's just the way the league works. MVPs are for quarterbacks in the regular season, in the biggest game. That's kind of how it works. Necessarily shouldn't, but it is. Christian McCaffrey has got to be right up to bat, but I actually think it's Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel might be the second most likely to have been named MVP in a winning effort from the 49ers if they win this game, because I just think he's got to be, 
He needs to touch this ball 15 times, which is going to be more touches than he's had in any game in years, right? I mean, he he needs to be all over this game plan, and he needs to be really effective for the Niners to win this game. 38 rushing yards this season. He's got to be 50 in this game. If Debo runs for 50 in this game, I think the Niners win it. Um, It's an interesting thing. First of all, he was the MVP, the betting MVP favorite at halftime of Niners Chiefs last time, four years ago. He had a great first half. He only touched the ball twice in the second half. Uh, but if you want to bet who was going to be the Niners Super Bowl MVP at halftime or who was, it was going to be Debo. Um, Debo was the favorite. I'll give you a couple live uh, dogs. I mean, you're right. It's if the, it's it's Purdy, it's Mahomes, right? Um, if you want to really bet the favorite and try to win. But if you're looking for like, you know, that, that prop where you, you make a killing, right. You're looking for the longer odds. You're looking to make a play here. I'll give you two names. Nick Bosa, who's going up against Juwan Taylor, Bosa and Bosa's, you know, coming off, you know, he's flying right now. He's flying. And if you told me that Nick Bosa got three or four sacks in this game, would not be shocked at all. One time a defensive end was named MVP of a Super Bowl. Yeah, it doesn't happen very much. Doesn't happen very much. I'll give you though the other one that's even a even a bigger wild stab, but it's a great option. Jair Brown. Why? Because Jair Brown is a productive interceptor. And he had 10 picks in college the last couple of years. He he's got a crazy nose for the ball. Um, Vaughn Miller was MVP. Chris Wall, you got that. You're right. Vaughn Miller, yeah, in the game here. Uh, but Jair Brown would be a great, a great uh option because if you told me that a couple balls popped up into the air and Jair Brown picked them off, I would not that would not surprise me either. He's got a great nose for the football. He's very physical. He could wind up in a game like this where they throw it to Kelsey quite a bit. Um, I could see him with 10 tackles, and I could also see him with two picks. So, so I mean he he could be a real sleeper candidate for MVP. The focus of my 11 a.m. show on my channel this morning, Larry, is going to be, hey, diddle, diddle, let's appreciate George Kittle. I think George Kittle has got a, a chance to enter this MVP I agree. conversation as well with a yep. big, I mean, he. Yeah, if you're looking at where the, you know, everyone says, everyone that I've talked to, every blog post you read, where, where is the weak link to attack? It's the linebackers on Kansas City. And if George can find himself matched up on a linebacker, that should be burnt toast. That should be. Well, I don't toast. know if I would agree uh, that that uh, their linebackers are weak because Bolton flies, Willie Gay flies. But if he gets on Tranquil, I believe the uh, Notre Dame kid, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, maybe that's a good matchup, Drew Tranquil on Kittle. The only thing I would say on the Kittle front, he didn't practice yesterday. He's got a toe injury. If it's a turf toe, that's a big problem. If it's, we'll, we'll have to monitor that. There'll be lots of questions about that because the Niners are basically almost 100% healthy. So there's going to be lots of questions as we get closer to kickoff about the status of said toe. But if his toe is is healthy, I agree. I think all this talk about Kelsey and Taylor Swift and, you know, the, I, the irony could be that the other tight end, Kittle, who's more in his prime than Kelsey, could be the MVP. Kelsey has had uh, a career 
and just the postseason accomplishments he's had with Patrick Mahomes. He's been the, the two of them in the postseason uh, are more dangerous than the two of them in the regular season. So, yeah, shutting down Kelsey and getting George Kittle to here's the thing. I hope that the offensive line for the 49ers can do its job. And it's not going to be one of those days where, hey, it is much your job to block Aiden Hutchinson as it is anyone else's here today, George. And boy, George took that job and he did it well. He did. Um, but he's got to be out in the patterns. He's got to be out as a an option for Purdy, not a blocker for Purdy. Uh, and if did you see his block on Hutchinson, it's it's football pornography, Larry. <laughs> it was just it's it was awesome, man. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's he, again, George Kittle. If he wanted to be redrafted in this league as a right tackle, he's 30 pounds away from being a starting right tackle in the NFL. I'm going to ask Kittle today if he said anything to Hutchinson after he buried him in the dirt. He did. There's an actual, there's a, there's a, 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 a bit of a mic'd up NFL moment. What do you say? Hutch well, Hutchinson used some big word and he's like, dude, that's a Michigan word. I'm an Iowa guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's pretty funny. You can find it. Um, I'll look for that. Yeah. But it was uh, dude Kittle. Did you hear that? He, I mean, he, there, there was an NFL mic'd up camera on Kittle in the NFC title game. And he was walking around in that bad first half. And he goes up to Purdy and he's like, you know that. what? You know what I'm going to tell him at halftime? I'm going to be like, they had us in the first half. Like that one kid who does that, that the, the video that you've seen a million times, the kid at halftime. You know, they really had us in that first half, but we knew that we, he's like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to say that in the post game. Like he's already talking about the comeback before it's even started. Did you and see how serious Purdy was? Purdy oh, wasn't yeah. cracking. Purdy no. was, Purdy was not finding that funny at all. He wasn't. No, he's, dude, he was focused as hell. He was he angry was at the focused. way he was going. Um, but Kittle, that's the beauty of George Kittle. He's out there. Everything's going wrong. It's bad juju. And Kittle's trying to keep the team light. He's trying to keep everything focused and positive. And what a, just what an awesome teammate that guy is. Yeah. George can Kittle. I awesome. Can I tell you my Kittle story that, that was in, absolutely incredible? So I'm on family vacation three years ago. Maybe, maybe I forget exactly what year it was. It was maybe not three years ago because that might have been COVID. But it was, I think, pre-COVID. Um, we're on a family vacation and, but I'm trying to cover training camp and, and I have my son and his buddy, um, they were still in high school and they're high school varsity football players. Um, and they had their like varsity photo, something with their Northgate shirts and football and this and that. So I had them with me and I was going to have to drive like from, I think we, we might've gone down the, down the coast. And so now I was trying to go to camp. So I had these guys in the car. So I told Bob Lang, I'm like, Bob, I know you can't bring kids to camp and everything, but I got my son and his and his buddy and they're both high school football players. And I, I'm going to have to drive all the way back to Walnut Creek and then back to training camp. Can I can I just bring them with me for one day? And I promise you, they'll stand right next to me. They won't do anything wrong. And he's like, well, we don't you know, we don't let family in camp. And then I'm like, I get it, Bob. I get it. But can you just make this one exception? And he's like, all right, Krug, I'll do it for you. That's fine. But they better stand over here and not do, they better not do anything. So now they're standing off to the side on the side of the practice facility and the players are coming out to go to go to practice. And every one of the players walks by and a couple of guys wave. Kittle, who's a freaking star, comes over to these guys 
shakes their hands and is like, Hey, what's going on fellas. So who do you guys play for? Cause he saw the football shirts and they're like Northgate. He's like, Oh yeah. How's your season going? Have you guys started yet? Are you in training camp? What position do you play? All right. That's awesome. Well, Hey man, thanks for coming out and checking us out. And I mean, dude took like three minutes to talk to two kids that he didn't know. Nobody asked him to talk to them. Weren't supposed to be uh, there. Weren't supposed to be there. And I mean, that's what the dude is. I mean, that's who George is. And, and, um, I remember I said something to him about it like a week or so, so later. And he's like, man, I was them like a minute ago. And I, you know, I, I was that kid. I was the guy, you know, who was super gung ho high school football player. Who was at training camp, wanted to take a look for myself and this and that he's like, and I just, I, I haven't forgotten what it was like to be a high school football player. And it's like, dude, I mean, so Kittle's gold, man. He, he he's a football. golden person. He really, he really is. is. He lives football. He breathes football. He is humble. He's just a, yeah, he's Midwestern work ethic. Yeah, no, there's 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 a ton to like about that guy. There really is. Um, and then you factor in how good of a player he is around all of these personality traits that, you know, make you attracted, not unattracted to people. Um, he's one of the best 49ers of all time. <laughs> he really is. Uh, he's he, he's today is George Kittle Appreciation Day on the Damon Bruce show at 11 a.m. I hope you plan on tuning in. Uh, Larry, let's get to some of these. Uh, I see you got about 20 Super chats already uh, selected yeah. and starred and put away. Let's yeah, they are. Hop into the super chats. Let's do it right here. First one, don't be a beta. Says, uh, did the Lions or Packers try to copy the Ravens' game plan versus Purdy? If the Chiefs try the same, will Purdy, um, will Purdy read it well? I guess. Read it well. Um, read it wheel. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, I. You know, I think that what if, if there was a plan. It was, you know, crowd the middle of the field with bodies and blitz off the edges. I don't know that they blitzed off the edges, um, but Purdy hasn't. I mean, Greg Cosell was saying it. He hasn't quite looked the same since that Ravens game. So why is that? I don't know. Is it that people are reading his mail? They've made adjustments to uh, the windows he wants to throw into. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm going to need to see more, but I would also say that the team around him has just been a little off. It's not just him. You know, it really yeah. is. It's the entire operation has been a little off kilter since that Ravens game. And they're, I mean, let's be honest without playing their best football, they've still reached the Super Bowl. That doesn't happen very often. Normally it takes your very best effort to win two playoff games. Home road doesn't matter to reach a Super Bowl. And the Niners have kind of gotten away with football murder on their way to Las Vegas. They really have. So um, it'd be great to see him bust out in the Super Bowl. That's for sure. Finally, it all just clicks. And like you always like to say, they just fire Larry. That's oh. exactly what we're looking for. That's what oh, looking could for. you imagine if it was just a blowout? Yaz Williams. So according to Cam, there can only be one game changer per team. Extremely flawed logic. Yeah. Look at the, what the, look at the guy with his hat. I think there's more flaw there than anything. William Parker. Drops uh thank you a deuce. Thank you, William. Uh we got this one from Run the Ball Kyle, <laughs> which is a great one. He says the D line is what it is at this point, and this game will depend on pressuring Mahomes. What does Wilkes have to do? Are we back to rushing five or blitzing? Um Larry, I would it, it, I'd be okay with blitzing. I would be okay. I know people say, Oh, how can you do that? 
I, I think that you're gonna have to you're gonna have to rush Mahomes without giving him an obvious run lane because he will take it. And um and then running is a, he's very poised when he runs. So he knows that any hit on the quarterback is gonna draw a fifteen yard penalty. And that's probably why he doesn't get down until late because he's probably trying to draw hits because he's an old-fashioned tough guy. I mean, Jimmy Ward hit him hard at the goal line in the last Super Bowl, and he, like, laughed. He's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. So I think Mahomes is trying to bait defenders into personal fouls, and I think he understands that running is a huge weapon that he has now. So I would say you got to rush him, but, um, you know, there's going to be times where you got to send extra guys at him and speed him up sporadically you almost play man blind slide uh from the from the blind side like it this is a blitz at your own risk super bowl if there ever was one because both of these quarterbacks numbers get better against the blitz than they are in other places so it is uh it's it the right picking the right moment the right time and making sure it's coming you know, the blitz is coming from the ear hole, not the eye hole, is how you maybe get to Mahomes. And when I say maybe get to Mahomes, I really mean it. Sacking Patrick Mahomes in the postseason is a Super Bowl unto itself. It doesn't happen. Um, so it might be a question for Wilkes today, Steve, with a quarterback like this, how is how important is it for you to disguise coverages? You know, so that he you're showing him one look but actually rotating into a different look. Right. They did it a little bit against golf, Damon, where they showed a man look and and drifted into a zone. And he thought they were in man and they were in zone. So um, they can do it. They don't do a lot of it. But Alex Smith kind of made the point that the Niners' defense is too simple for Mahomes to decipher. Um, I'm sure Steve would take offense to that. So we'll, well, may, I may, may want to ask him about that, too. I mean, here's the thing. The luxury of playing very straight up without a lot of gimmicks or disguise is only a luxury afforded to teams who have a defensive line who's getting home and putting pressure with four. The 49ers entire concept of the way that they want to play doesn't work if they're not getting pressure with their four down defensive linemen. So adjust to that, maybe even put a fifth man with a hand in his dirt because Niners have had success in that defensive front too. And um, just here's the thing. It's important that Steve Wilkes plays the game in front of him, not the game he planned to play. You know what yeah, I mean? I mean, you got to have a plan, but you got to be able to react in real time, no doubt. And, and you know, they say if you match up, you play man. If you don't match up, you play zone. The Niners have always played a lot of zone. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if they feel like they can play some a mix of zone and man. Joseph Rodesco says, damn, did a hell of a job in that interview debate with Nick. Real good stuff from both of you, and you represented us Niners fans well. I've yet to check it out, but I will because I'm going to probably do a little reaction video to it. What, so what was the highlight of your uh, Nick Wright extravaganza? So I think the highlight of it is both of us believe two different things and we both made decent arguments as to why we believe what we believe. I think that Nick is misguided and a lot of his beliefs are in presumptions and evaluations of what used to happen with Jimmy and what remains happening. Um, and he doesn't exactly have the same standard applied to the Kansas City Chiefs who were very successful with Alex Smith before it became Patrick Mahomes. Um but I do think I mean, if you walk away 
from it with anything other than, hey, there's a reason why that guy gets paid millions of dollars to talk about sports on TV. You're kind of missing it. Like it, you might disagree with him, but at least you understand why he believes what he believes a little bit more. And then maybe the biggest takeaway, the only time I like raised my voice during the conversation against Nick with Nick. And that's the thing. It wasn't against (laughs) conversation against Nick. Right, right. That's the thing. This wasn't about ownage. This wasn't about winning the debate. It was about two people talking about why they saw things differently. Um, You know, around the horn, has turned every single sports conversation to like, well, who's scoring the most points here? Who's winning this sports conversation? Um, you got owned. Oh, you got oh, dude, he owned you, dude. Oh, he owned you. You owned him. <laughs> I don't think anybody owned anybody in this conversation. I think it was, here's what I think, here's what you More think. More of a rent to own? Yeah, it's we leased this conversation out <laughs> to the both of us. Um, the only time that my voice, though, raised was when he... Basically, we were going through the, all right, let's name them. Who are the quarterbacks in this league better than Brock Purdy right now? And as we're going through that list and it's unfolding, he's like, all right, if that were the conversation, I'd be able to have this conversation a little bit better. And I was like, Nick, it's your show. You're in charge of the conversation. You can have any conversation you want to have about anyone, any way you want to have it. So don't blame the conversation on the way you're talking when it's up to you to pick the what you're talking about, you know? So, right. um, so who, who did you guys have in front of Purdy? Mahomes, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Lamar, um, you know, we, de- we, Lamar, we debated, does Herbert belong there? I don't Bur- believe Burrow. I, I yeah, Burrow made the list. He was a late entry. I kind of forgot about him because he's a Bengal and we don't think about the Bengals unless you're on to Cincinnati that week. Um, I, I, I told him I don't think that uh, Trevor Lawrence is better than Purdy. Um, I mean, it's a small. Here's the thing: he, he isn't. He be, he began. Nick began by saying, "Look, I don't hate Brock Purdy. I just think he's you know somewhere between the twelfth and fourteenth best quarterback in football." But then when we were both agreeing on who might be better than him, we only got through like four or five names. So right there, Nick was you know kind of copping to maybe he's underestimated the guy in a little bit. And I just said, Nick. The fact that Mr. Irrelevant is now, in your most harsh opinion, a middle of the pack, pretty good quarterback, like that right there is enough to be like, wow, what a story. Yet all you do is want to talk about what isn't the story instead of focusing on what is the story. Well, how about this? How about this? We can debate this all kinds of ways, but there's no debating Brock Purdy's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, and he was the last pick in the draft. Top 10. I mean, there's no doubt. I, pr- I probably have him six, seven, eight, somewhere in that range, but who cares? Somebody could have him uh, eight, nine, 10, whatever, but he's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Look he at is. it this way. How about this? No matter where you have him, you bump him up at least four places if he is indeed a Super Bowl champion two weeks from now. That beats Patrick Mahomes? Hell yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, the guy who is outside of the top five maybe moves inside of it. Or if he's outside of your top 10, he'd have to move inside of it. If he's outside of your top 20, there's no way that you could say a guy who just, oh, another thing that I said to Nick is, look, Nick, I watch your show. And one of the things that you always do, like I I tried to think if I were Nick Wright arguing for Brock Purdy, how would Nick Wright go about that? 
and he would dive into the numbers if he was trying to prove his point that Brock Purdy was better than critics are saying. And he would put up the silhouette of one player, the silhouette of another player, and you don't see their jerseys and you don't see their faces. And then he just put their stats underneath them and say, who's better? Who's better? So if we did that with Brock Purdy against just about any quarterback in football this year, Brock Purdy looks better. So how come right. the how come your go-to let me prove a point that you use all the time on your own show to prove your own points is a point that you won't even bring up because it might prove what you're trying to dispute. Right. So trying to disprove. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a guy that said that he's better than Herbert. And a lot of people are like, oh, you know, and I'm just pointing to the fact that Herbert just doesn't win. Um, and then there are other, I mean, I did a show with the coach. He's like, Tan, he had Tannehill better than him. I'm like, come on, coach. Tannehill is not better than him. Yeah. We talked about is Tua, is Tua better? Is Tua no. in a better situation? We talked all about that. Tua doesn't read coverage the way Purdy does. So, so I, I think it was interesting. I hope you check it out. Um, the, the, the video's doing incredibly well. It's got a, a lot of traction. So um, I thank Nick for his time. The guy's got you know a lot of people pulling him in a lot of directions. It was nice to talk to him and catch up with him, and he's doing well. Glock Holiday says $5 for putting up with Nick Wright. There you go. Uh, Lawless Light says, who are your top four or five candidates for MVP? I think we already went through it. We did. Uh, Purdy, Kittle, Bosa, Jair Brown. You got Jair Brown. Brown. Well, no, look at it this way, Larry. If you really think that Jair Brown, I, is, I do. You you got to put fifty dollars on that at a window, and you will. You what will the, what do you think the odds are that Jair Brown be MVP? MVP of the Super Bowl, a rookie safety. Uh, I mean, I might, even, Larry, he might not even be on the board. No, he's on the board. I think he's got to be on the board. Um, but what do you think he could be? I mean, what's the big? I mean, because they they limit those things. I mean, as far as, um, I mean, that really is a stab in the dark, but I might put on, 20. Let me, let me just really quick here. MVP. Super Bowl MVP. See if you can look it up. I think I might throw a 20 spot on Jair Brown. Okay, so look at it this way. Travis Kelsey, right? Travis Kelsey is plus 1,400. That's 14 to 1. Right. Um, George Karloftis is plus 10,000. Chris Jones is plus 10,000. So I would guess that Jair Brown would be going off at like plus 20,000, Larry. <laughs> awesome. uh, there's just. That would be awesome. Make it make, uh, you know, thousands of dollars off uh, the MVP. Um, Okay, we got this one from Flav. What's up, Flav? He says, Lair Bear, you predicted Niners 28-24. Do you see a game-winning drive, game-winning stop, or a late, meaningless Kansas City touchdown to make it closer than it was? Yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking this is uh, 49ers are going to get on top. I'm going to say 28-17 with a late touch. Um, but a lot of people think it like a lot of people think it's going to be low scoring. That's going to be a defensive battle. But I don't know. I don't know. It's a fast surface. James Foster said Eric Johnson and Jessica Simpson are better than Kelsey and Swift. Former well, I always thought Jessica Simpson was hotter than Taylor Swift. That's for sure. Dude, peak Jessica Simpson, like Jessica Simpson doing that MTV show with Nick Lachey in her Dukes of Hazard days was. Didn't she do a, sh a movie with Dane Cook? 
about like working at a Costco. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. And that's uh, it movie. was awful. It's the last movie she was ever cast in when they realized, oh, outside of looking pretty and smiling, there is there's not a lot of an actress here. I can't believe I saw that. Uh, flavor underscore reborn restorations. I watched the Chiefs game a couple times now. Lamar was not good. Nerve even. Uh, was it nerve even? Brock will have a better shot, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the game plan of Todd Munkin when you're the number one rushing team in the game and you run it is they've they had six carries to running backs and they threw it 39 times. That's not Lamar's game. By Munkin the way, should have known that. The game was 17 7. An assist from Mike J in the chat. Employee of the month is the that name of it. that movie. That was it. <laughs> Uh, there's somebody who owns that probably Aaron lost says field will be shortened with kickers in a dome. God, I don't even want to think about Jake Moody. Just let's just hope that everything goes well. Just stripe it, Larry. Don't worry let's, about let's it. Let's not even talk about it. He's got it. Lifted. Mike says, what do you think of what Jed said about Brock? I think it's really interesting. One, he volunteered it. Uh, two, it's really interesting that Kyle pulled Jed aside and said, Hey man, we gotta have a talk. We gotta have a talk. But it's also really interesting because it reveals that Shanahan and the powers that be had major, major doubt. The fact that Jimmy G that he liked him over Jimmy G was nothing. They were moving on from Jimmy G anyway. It's the Trey Lance angle that makes it so interesting. That Kyle Shanahan and the 49er brass had doubts about Trey Lance before Trey Lance ever started against the Bears in his first career start. They had doubts about Trey Lance before he ever started a game. So that tells me that either Trey was terrible in the meetings, terrible in practice, didn't have um, NFL accuracy. Didn't. How did he get drafted, I guess, would be my... How was he your choice with other quarterbacks available if it was... If that apparent that early. If, Exactly. Where did you get the evaluation that wrong? And what didn't you ask him to do the, in the evaluation that he then did do once you got him on your own practice field? And did Kyle Shanahan like actually like run off and vomit at one point? Like did, did Kyle Shanahan realize like I might have just drafted the reason why I get fired in this league? Like, I mean, yeah. I, what was the I think it's the lack of accuracy arm strength and mobility but didn't you wh why wasn't that on the field why was not i think they fell in love with lance as a person and were and, and they their evaluation was based on a projection and then when they actually got him on the field they realized man the arm strength is pretty ordinary man the motion is pretty inconsistent man the accuracy is really spotty and there's athlete. not that second level mobility yeah he's he's more north dakota fast than he is nfl fast it's also why you don't draft guys super high out of the fcs because you're not watching them against the best of the best you're watching them against glorified you know high schoolers and future accountants um that's that's really it. Dale says, bring up Brock's leadership qualities just one time. Can you imagine the size of the stones he has to have on this team? Not mentioned enough, in my humble opinion. Yeah. Yeah. No, when I asked the other day, why has he got so many bags? Why is he bringing so many bags to a home game? Why does he have two pieces of luggage walking into his own home locker room? And someone said, well, that's where he keeps his massive balls. <laughs> <laughs> 
Maybe he was p- planning uh, a vacation. Cheese Leong says, hey, there you go. Just just dropping a tenner on us. Thank just you very dropping much. Dropping a ten. Throwing a penny. Make it a ten spot. Paul Coffey. Imagine if Brock went full Fitz Magic. Yeah. Where's Brian Allen? Pointing at the corner like Fitz, Fitzpatrick did that one day. Strawberry reacts. Jed stood Sto- up in the Super Bowl with a lumberjack level beard, beard. and just gold chains. <laughs> Seriously. Um, Strawberry reacts. Jed's story fits with the story of Mike Shanahan telling Brock to be ready. He was going to get his shot. Yeah. Um, Lance ZS says Lance competition in the summer of 2023 was never real. Kyle had his mind made up uh, per Brock's quote on Brady. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Well, but here's the thing. Do you think that that Kyle was giving token starts to a player he knew would fail him? I don't believe so. I No, I just think that he had in, he had uh indications that that this was not the guy. Right, his gut might have been telling them that, but then he needed to see for himself, right? Let's put him out in action and he got a small sample size due to the broken ankle. And well, here's the other thing that nobody brings up the Niners. One thing that nobody brings up. The reason that Kyle had to have that conversation in 2022 with Jed is because they had committed $3 million of Jed's money to Nate Sudfeld and they weren't going to keep a fourth quarterback. So they were going to sign Nate Sudfeld to a $3 million contract at the beginning of the off season. And then right at the end of the off season and with the beginning of camp or the beginning of the season, they were going to cut, you know, wave goodbye to that $3 million. And I think out of respect for what $3 million actually means, I think he wanted to tell uh, Jed, Hey, you know what? This kid's got a future. And that's why we're saying goodbye to the $3 million. Believe me, there were lots of media people that were doing the, um, you know, the addition and subtraction and saying to me, Hey, they're cutting Purdy and they're going with Sudfeld. Why? Because they've invested three million in Sudfeld. And I was like, I don't care if they've invested seven million in Sudfeld. His ass is cut and they're going with this kid. Right. Three million dollars um, is what the Niners will make from just parking in Blue Lot today. So, like, that's not that big of a deal. Right. Exactly. Lifted Mike says, Did you see Bethard going to the Jags? Got us the Purdy pick. Yep. Yeah, it was a, it was a compensatory selection for losing CJ Beathard. The irony. You're welcome. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> I told you I was going to make this team a champion at one point. Here we go. I made an impact, Jed. I told you <laughs> I would make an impact. I have made said impact. Uh, Rick, <laughs> Ricky Williams. I have a feeling in this game, Christian will not go out. Stubborn mentality. Hopefully, it won't hurt the team. I want Mitchell to eat. Kyle, step up. Eli Mitchell will not touch the ball unless something happens bad to Christian. Look at it this way. If we saw Christian McCaffrey get overused throughout regular season games, he's not coming out of the Super Bowl unless he's hurt. Yeah. Flav, uh, flavor undersc- underscore reborn restorations. If the D-line gets home, often we win. I agree. James Foster, you used to be able to get a plus one press pass as a media member before 9-11. Thanks a lot, Bin Laden. Didn't think there was going to be a Bin Laden reference in the chat today, but there you go. If you had, if you had the uh, the prop bet that had Bin Laden mentioned in this uh, wake up edition, 
go to cashing huge window that was plus twenty thousand. yeah i mean there there was very little chance that bin laden was would uh squeeze in here today carlos mvp you had that i'll cash that ticket Let me get uh, let me get uh, ten on uh, Karloftis, a little bit on Jair Brown. Here, here's a five spot on Bin Laden. Yeah, let me get a uh, a saw buck on a safety being the opening score of the game. Uh, let- <laughs> the pr- I'm going with the purple Gatorade and under on the anthem. All right, uh, Reba's going to get that anthem done in no time. She's not going to mess around. That just uh, that I can't even. The fact that that Jay Cornegay says that at the beginning of the Super Bowl, it's like there's so many things going off with big money props that people are just reacting to everything. It's amazing in the in the sports books. Jack Parada says, have fun in Vegas, Larry. Enjoy a few brews for me. Looking forward to all of your content. Go Niners. Thank you, Jack. Appreciate you, bro. Um, Herbie Holland says, so pretty scared to pull the trigger and the defensive line sucks. Sounds like a Chiefs blowout. Uh, I I would almost guarantee it's not going to be a blowout. I don't think Purdy's afraid to pull the trigger. Blood Moon, Damon, Larry, do you think Brock Purdy has been angry with himself about the display that was put on against the Ravens and everything leading up to it has not been satisfactory in his eyes, hence his stern display? Yeah. I I just think he wants a win. Well, that's the thing. I don't I don't think he is happy with the way that he's played, and he knows that he needs to play better, and he knows that if he does play better, this team can be a world champion. So it's very serious. Every, there's no element of this that isn't the most serious football game you'll ever play in. So I'm glad that he's in that mode. I, I really am. The guy is referenced. We'll see when it's all said and done. He is planning on winning the Super Bowl. I don't think there's any doubt. Now, I'm not saying he's cocky. I'm not saying he's guaranteeing it, but I guarantee you, as somebody who has talked to the guy that he is planning and picturing winning the Super Bowl and being up on that stage, he's be referenced. The ball. Be he's, the ball, Danny. No, 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 he, no, 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 no. Yeah, he's referenced. We will see when it's all over at least five times this year. Yep. That's a guy who's planning on winning it all. Not no, saying he's no, going no. to, but that's no, the no, 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 no. Paul Elliott Hughes, where's the best place to get Super Bowl tickets? Um, a you place, accountant. yeah, a place where there's at least $20,000 of cash. Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, it, it, how about this? If you don't have your Super Bowl ticket right now, chances are you're not going. Could you ba- imagine there's always that circumstantial person who gets in a major fight with his girlfriend? Like, you know, they drank too much in the pregame and they've got money to burn and they're standing out front and she's storming off and the relationship's now hanging by a thread and you're just there to catch the guy's tickets on his way out. He's She's running off. The guy's holding two tickets. Thank you, Debbie. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, did you see the Guy Haberman video of the sweet prices in the uh, in, in the, you know one of the end zones got the nightclub built into it, right? I mean, you got five million dollar tables, basically. That's <laughs> incredible. Insane. I got into a Andrew Dice Clay uh, um, show in Reno in 1990. Because a guy got into an argument with his girlfriend, the tickets were going for like one twenty each, and all of a sudden the girl like storms off, and the guy's like, "Oh," and he kind of has a shoulders look, and I'm like, "Bro, I'll give you, I'll give you twenty for, um, for your for your tickets. You're not going," and um, <laughs> and 
And he's like, 20 each. And I'm like, ah, oh, sorry, man. All I got is 20. And he was, she was storming out. And he's like, fine. He gives me two dice clay tickets for 20 bucks. There you uh, go. Yeah, there you go. You got to be Johnny on the spot. Uh, Mesro 01. Purdy gives me posy vibes after, especially after getting that Toyota endorsement. That's right. He's got a national Toyota deal now. And Herbie Holland said this regional? game. I think that's more regional than it is national, but I know it's, it's actually national. According to our good friend, um, uh, who's the business sports biz guy that we've known for years. Uh, he used to be on ESPN member. He's, he's the, the guy who does the sports biz, uh, Darren Ravel, Darren okay. Ravel. Let's try to get him this week, by the way. He's a good buddy. I'm going to, I'm going to email him. He'd be fun to talk to. Herbie Holland says this game will be won by the defensive line. Period. If you can silence Mahomes, Fortinaires will win the Super Bowl. There is no silencing Mahomes with your defensive line. The man has has been sacked once, and I believe three postseasons. Yeah. All right, that does it for us. You got a big thing coming up in five minutes, huh? I do in just a little bit. I'm going to be. Uh, it's either happening like right at the top of the hour, or something has happened, and they're going to push me back to the middle of the hour. But I'm coming up. With JT the Brick on Jim Rome show, um, the, the 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 radio show and the TV show that is happening. Uh, I've already been told there's something wrong with their Zoom, so we're just doing a phoner. You're not going to see me on the Jim Rome show today, which is going to make the appearance even better, if you don't mind me saying. I was never <laughs> supposed to be in front of the camera. Um, but Larry, needless to say, we've had a hell of a journey all season long. Wake Up continues to grow like wildfire, and it will continue to do so uh, regardless of what happens in this Super Bowl. The fact that our journey together involves now a journey to Las Vegas together is going to be an awful lot of fun, and I think that we're probably going to do a better job covering this Super Bowl than What's the word I'm looking for? Than anybody. That's right. That's you know I think we're going to have a hell of a time doing this, and I'm really looking forward to doing it with you. And uh, tell Kevin to strap in because Vegas is a monster and uh, we're going to have a really, really good time. So thank you very, very much. Like, and subscribe everyone on your way out today. And I, I just want to remind you that if you can put a hundred dollars on Karloftis to win the Super Bowl MVP, that could be a big payday. That could be, that's a kind of a bet that only the GM who can insisted on drafting guys with just one ACLs, most are looking for two. I only needed to see one. There's an option for you. <laughs> you know, that's such a great point, Chet. And I just want to say this. I'm, in my dream scenario, I'm driving down the strip in my Miata. Tom's in the back seat. I've got Tate up front. And I'm saying, let's go. Let's go, Niners. And I'm leading cheers the way I used to lead them when I was at USF as a cheerleader. I loved it then. I love it now. I can just picture the Miata just in, just in full, full, you know, we're only going like 15 because I don't want time to fall out. Tate's got a seatbelt on. I want to be safe, but I'm, I'm I'm driving up to people. I'm pulling over. I'm picking up girls. It's a great time. It's going to be a great time. <laughs> <laughs> and I, the only thing, only thing that could make it better is if I had some garlic fries or an ornamichis. <laughs> we'll talk to you again Monday. Wake up. We'll be coming to you live on Monday morning at 8 a.m. And then wake up. We'll be joining you Friday, 8 a.m. live from Las Vegas next Friday, a week from right now. We hope to see you all there. Thanks so much. Enjoy your weekend. No football. It's a stress-free weekend, Larry.
you know, it's totally stress-free. Um, I'll say this. If the Jacksonville Jaguars, my Jags, can't be in Vegas, I'm glad that Jed gets to be there. I've always said, Jed, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deliver you a Super Bowl. I haven't made good on that promise, Damon. I haven't made good on that promise, Lowry. But I'll tell you, the Jags are coming. You like Aiden Hutchinson. I like Trayvon Walker. Yes, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Great point brought up by Mark Graves. Poor Tom. There is no backseat in the Miata. That's a good point. We wanted to get that in there. Goodbye. That everybody. is a hell of a point. Uh, but I'll tell you, there's a trunk and there's enough room for four Amici's pizza. And I like extra garlic on there, Ralph. <laughs> <laughs>